Welcome to episode 416 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, January 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, ringing in the new year, finally, with Eno Sarazino. Happy New Year, my bud. Yes, Happy New Year. It's going to be a crazy year. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a huge year. It's going to be a baseball-filled year. I mean, what year isn't, let's be honest. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're... We're kind of getting through the winter, you know. I mean, it's it's only January fifth. I feel like you know you could say that, but Jason and I talked about it on Sunday. Football uh, regular season just ended and go through the playoffs. People are going to start turning to baseball very soon. You know, uh, whosoever teams lose this week in football, you know, if you're if you're a Lions fan, as I am, I don't think that they're going to win out in Seattle. Those Lions fans that are also that also play baseball. Boom, the football's over. They're going to start looking at baseball. We're going to start bringing on all the uh, football folks here one by one. And before you know it, it's going to be the end of January, early February. Boom, baseball will be back in swing. So I'm pretty psyched about it. Um, We got a lot to talk about. And we're actually starting our team-by-team breakdowns today. Uh, We're going to do two teams per episode for a while. It's kind of a, a TBD thing if... If there's a big flurry of moves and we have to talk about a bunch, we'll probably put it to the side for, for an episode. But for the most part, you and I are going to be spending uh, the bulk of our, our upcoming episodes talking about the news, doing a question of the day, but then t- talking about two teams in depth. And today we've got one from the AL, one from the NL. Uh, both, well, you know, one a really strong contender and one that fancies themselves at least a competitor, if not a full-on contender. But we'll get to the, them in a moment. You know, I want to lead off with you for a question of the day. And I think I know your answer, but I want you to share it with the public. Is Mike <laughs> Montgomery, left-hander for the Chicago Cubs, fit to start? I think so, yeah. I mean, he's he's... What's interesting for me is that he had uh, two pitches in the top 30. I just ranked all pitches by whiffs and grounders. Mm-hmm. And he had two pitches in the top 30. And the last time I saw that was Carlos Carrasco. Carlos freaking Carrasco. Now, you're not saying but, that he is Carlos Carrasco, no, but... And it's, 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 they're very different. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a... Um, you know, there's a velocity question there. Carlos Carrasco has a lot more velocity. And... Um, but you know he's also from the right side versus left side too. Yeah, that's true, and so you get a little bit of a boost. But still, there's almost no boost you can give Mike Montgomery. That, I mean, he was in the bullpen and he had lefty, he had average velocity for lefty, basically, maybe a little bit better. Um, so when he goes to the and, and there's another wrinkle that makes his velocity a little bit worse, which is that um, one of the reasons he was better this year is that he added a cutter. And that's one of the things that makes pitching so difficult to study is how they're all interrelated. All the pitches are interrelated. So even though I say that he had two pitches and it was the curve and the cutter were the um, were the pitches that were in the top. Was it the curve or was it the change? Anyway, um, I, uh, I did link his page. It's not on there yet. Anyway, so uh, it was uh, two pitches that um, that ranked up there, but they were kind of because of the cutter, I think, because – he, when he started throwing the cutter, he got ahead in more counts because he has a bit of a command issue. Okay. And, uh, and so when he, when he started throwing the cutter, he got, he got ahead in more counts and that put him, his change up in his cutter were in the top 25 overall. The curve is also decent. Uh, it's above average by results. So, 
Uh, you know, he has these three pitches, and it, but it was the cutter that let him out. And but the, the problem is the cutter is 88-89. So you know, he's he's definitely a low velocity pitcher. But if you think about the guys that the Cubs have picked up, they have gone against the trend when it comes to velocity. The only guy that you can say that they really got because of velocity was Jake Arrieta, and I think that was just pretty much, you know, what did they trade for him? It was like nothing. It was uh, it was Scott Feldman in the midst of a solid, but we all knew it was kind of a you yeah, know, not really going to happen here. Nobody traded for Scott Feldman. It's like we got our ace that we need for the we playoffs. Fu- Yo, <laughs> we're set for a decade, y'all. We got freaking Scott Feldman. Get off me. So, um, so I, I, I think. Um, I think that they they might be doing a little bit something there um, in terms of the Kyle Hendricks acquisition and the Mike Montgomery acquisition, um, because you do you do get a little bit lower exit velocity with lower with a low, it's not a, it's not the determinant of lower exit velocity, but you do get a little bit lower. Um, I think cutters have a little bit lower exit velocity in general, mm-hmm. uh, and so you got you got these guys throwing cutters, and for Mike Montgomery in. The biggest thing for him is whether or not the fastball command is good enough. The command is good enough to get into the good counts to use that change in the curve, which are really good. So he's a low spin guy, so he's going to use the fastball for grounders, and he's going to try and uh, get ahead with the cutter and then use the change the curve and the sinker to get quick outs. So especially in the National League, uh, with that defense behind him, this particular Mike Mike Montgomery, I'm into. Yeah, yeah that that's a huge part to mention, and we've, and we've mentioned it you know, kind of throughout talking about these starting pitchers. I know I've used it somewhat as not necessarily a negative, but just to kind of point out that they're getting a major boost from it, particularly in the case of Kyle Hendricks. But the defense isn't going anywhere. It's gonna it's going to continue to be very strong and support these starters. And so I think you can give them all a boost when you're looking at Arietta Hendricks, Lester, um, Lackey and and now Montgomery who's looking at at a fifth starter role here. So that was an interesting finding from your pieces that you've been doing on the best pitches. And of course, when you when you kind of point that out about the Carlos Carrasco thing, again, you're not inherently saying this is Carlos Carrasco, right. but it is something to pay attention to. And I do think Mike Montgomery is somebody that should be on on the radar of folks. You know, I remember Cubs, when he Cubs had defense real quick though. Cubs defense real quick. There's a lot of talk of that it's going to regress. And I do think that, you know, when you're as plus as they were, I mean, it was one of the, the best seasons of all time uh, defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does make sense that, that things are going to regress. But they're actually set up in some ways to improve, uh, mostly in the in the hands of Javier Baez. Because he'll be a full-timer, right? He'll be a full-timer. And as much as you want to make a big deal about Kyle Schwarber uh, playing in the outfield, you're going to find out that um, that Ben Zobers is going to play in the outfield a decent amount. And he's definitely at least going to take over for Kyle Schwarber late in the game. So now we're talking about, you know, uh, an Almora, Jay, Hayward, Zobers outfield that's not really a step back. I think that's um, fair. You know, and then, you know, I think that the, 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 the toughest defense, like the, the place of their defense is going to regress the most is behind the plate with Contreras. And then... Um, and then with Schwarber and left field, but I think they're really going to try and mitigate that. And the, and the rest of the guys are young. I mean, it's a really young crew that's that's going to be good defensively for for now. So that's the thing that's that is beautiful about them is that even if there is some regression, it's certainly not going. To, it, it, it's very very unlikely to be a colossal fall off. 
And so, yeah, you can maybe bump the guys, their, their starters back a, a little bit, but I wouldn't go crazy with it. I, I totally get that. Of course, they have greatest shortstop in history of the universe, Addison Russell, in the middle leading the charge, and uh, he's he's going to have he's going to have that breakout season this year, guys. I promise it's coming, it's coming. But uh, last thing, don't sign another guy. <laughs> la- last thing on Montgomery, I remember in 2015 when he got going with Seattle. It came up in like June. And he really looked sharp for like seven, eight starts right off the bat, back-to-back shutouts. I remember it was against like one of them was in San Diego, so you know that kind of that kind of took some juice out of it, and you know everyone was looking for reasons to to not like it because it was a small sample of excellence. But this was a this is a a very high pedigree prospect. Remember, you know we've been around on this uh, this Mike Montgomery train for quite a while. He first started making noise in I think 2009, maybe maybe 2010 in terms of prospect lists. Uh, hang on, pulling it up on Baseball Reference. 2010 was when he first started popping up. Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, uh, MLB, and he, he made all of their lists. He was always top 40 or better, peaking in the top 20 at different times. So this is a high pedigree guy. He's taken a while to kind of come along, but I don't think it would be a major surprise if at age 27 he started to really pan out on the hype that he had throughout his career. So keep your eye on Mike Montgomery. You could have a gem there. If it is looking like he's going to get that fifth starter's job and he goes out and he has a big spring, I think the price will get inflated. But I think even an inflated price on Mike Montgomery is going to be affordable. I don't, I don't think you have to say, oh, you know, he goes out and has a Juan Nicasio spring training that it's going to be too expensive to, to pay for Mike Montgomery. He's not going to be a single-digit guy. He's, he, at his best, at, at the highest, at the craziest, I feel like he would be, I don't know, like a 14th, 15th rounder. And I think I would take a shot on that. Uh, pretty much no matter what. So Mike Montgomery, somebody to keep an eye on as a potential starter. You know, we got a few moves, small moves, two, two, two moves, and then one rumor. Curious about what your thoughts on a particular pitcher. But let's start with Rajay Davis. Going back out to Oakland, question mark? I mean, it, it's not a question mark because it's happening, but I don't know <laughs> if I really, I, I don't know if I get it. Uh, I think it's a, what is it, a one-year $10 million deal? Uh, no, one-year $6 million deal, excuse me. At the same time, it is kind of Oaklandy to do that because they'll probably just keep him for half a season and look to trade him somewhere that needs a fourth outfielder type. You know, all told, he had a pretty good season. He led the American League in stolen bases with 43, and he's not an empty bat from a power standpoint. He's gone 8, 6, 8, 8, and then a career-high 12 this past season. He really got in on the uh, the home run surge that the league enjoyed he costs peanuts and he continues to and Rajay Davis uh, will not stop costing peanuts. His, his prices certainly isn't going to go up at age 36. So I still think this is a guy that you buy on the cheap, you get your stolen bases and you really don't give two flips of what else he does, even though there is some uh, some quality to it. Uh, batting average has not been good the last two years, 258, 249. But I like not getting a, a flat-out zero from a big speed guy. So I, I kind of like the trade-off there. I'll take the, the uh, 8 to 12 homers with my 35-plus stolen bases. What do you think of Rajay Davis back out in Oakland? This is about the best situation it can be, even if it costs him 2 to 4 homers, even if he's only 8 you know, instead of 12 or whatever. I mean, I think this is the best situation for him because there are no other center fielders that are better on this roster necessarily. Brett, Brett Eibner may be better defensively certainly not just because bad. he's younger, uh, but he's also right-handed. So there's no lefty coming in that's going to take the platoon from him. 
I think he may have one of his highest plate appearance total years. And I think he might have one of his better wins above replacement years because his numbers in center the last couple of years in terms of UZR are decent. His projection right now is for a minus 4.6 fielding number in center, but his UZR is more like a plus five in center the last couple of years. Okay. And so I had, I went into real depth. If anybody's really interested in this tomorrow on fan graphs, there's going to be a piece about it's 20 plays, 10 of which he missed that have changed the way that people think about Rajai Davis. Oh, that's really and, interesting. And I went through the 20 plays because if you if you look at the 90 to 100 percent plays, he makes them all. You know, like everybody else who plays center, he makes them all. Mm-hmm. If you look at the zero to ten, yeah, he hasn't made many. I don't think he made any, but there are plenty of other center fielders who haven't made any zero to ten. Zero to ten is where Kevin Kiermaier lives. Kevin Kiermaier, Kevin Pillar. Uh, yeah, it's not where Rajad Davis lives. But the number of zero to ten percent plays—that's like play of the month. Exactly. Uh, you got you got uh, you got Scott that. Braun and, and Kelly Nash talking about you uh, at the end of the month the on MLB Network year, on those. Plays. In November, they're talking about you. Exactly. And, I mean, in December, they're talking about you. So. So I, you know, I looked at it, and I and I realized there he has twenty plays from 20, ten to ninety percent over the last two years, and he's missed ten of them, and two of them were on one day against the Mets in the sun. <laughs> so if you take those two away, all of a sudden he's top twenty-five uh, defensively. Another two were in one game in the fourteenth inning. You might remember this. He blew two plays in the 13th and 14th inning as a Tiger. Oh, God. And um, they were playing the Pirates. And, oh, God. Uh, was it early in the season? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I know. I, I do remember. Oh, I'm, I'm triggered. Made, it's kind of crazy because he made two good plays. For some reason, he kept getting balls in the game. <laughs> they just kept hitting to him. They, they, can, they can really control their bats you in laughed. Pittsburgh. You laughed. <laughs> They're targeting him, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, they kept hitting the balls to him. And, um, you know, he had like two or three good plays. I think he got tired. I mean, 14 innings in, you know, and he and he got to he got to these two balls, but he they kind of hit his hand or he dove and they, they, they fell down. Um, I think they ended up losing the game. But anyway... Uh, if you take, if, let's say he didn't start that game because he didn't start every game. Let's say he doesn't start that game, or the game is over in nine. All of a sudden, those four plays are off the ledger, mm-hmm. you know, or the the sun is in a different spot for the other game. Those four plays are off the ledger, and we think of him as uh, a fine defensive center fielder. So, so y- your point with, with this, and I really like it because it's this is still something that we're learning on the defensive side is that. Kind of like, I, I, and I do this a lot, and actually uh, Mitchell Lickman came out with some interesting data on it today about when I go through the, the, the game log of a pitcher and I kind of say, oh, you know, he had these, these three really horrible starts, and if you kind of isolate from those, not take them out, but if you, if you, if you assume that he's not going to have three innings, eight runs, three different times in, in, in 2017, he can be a better pitcher. There's a similar thing to that with defense. Hey, he had these these zero to ten percent plays, and and if four of them don't happen, you're moving from I don't know forty eighth ranked to twenty fifth ranked, and that's a pretty substantial change in perception, is what you're saying, right? With in terms of Rajay Davis. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and I think the A's are just like, you know what? We had him before. We thought he was a center fielder. The only other team to give uh, Rajay Davis a hundred t- games in center field was the A's. And I honestly thought that the uh, the that the Tigers might 
it, I, I didn't I didn't have the A's on the radar for him. I thought the Tigers might go back to that well because they don't have a true center fielder right now and, and, and give him another shot. So Oakland, could, this could end up working. Then if they don't trade him and, and let him go be a fourth outfielder somewhere in the second half of the season, if they just stick with him, they're going to put him at the top of the lineup. We already know that they're going to let him run. Uh, they, they've shown that. That's, this is really where he broke out. This is where where Rajay Davis kind of put himself on the map as a quality yeah. player. I think it was back in 2008. Uh, sorry, just left his B-Ref page. 2009 was that first season where it was like, whoa, Rajay Davis is 27, but he can be a speed demon. They're going to let him play. And uh, and he had some of his best seasons out in Oakland. In fact, his best season by OPS Plus was that 2009 season when he stole 41 bases, hit 305 with a 784 OPS. So, like I said, he's peanuts. It, it, there, there's there's not an amount of hype yeah. or anything that's Real going baseball, to change I his price. Fancy baseball peanuts. I mean, I don't think even after last year, you know, it, with that kind of a signing, I think it is it kind of and then people will say Oakland. He's not going to hit twelve. That's what I'm saying. Just, his price is not going to go up. He's going yeah. he's going to remain dirt cheap. And I'm it might be the year that he you know actually plays like 550 plate appearances or 600 even that that would be sweet in fact anything uh anything over 500 would be his second highest 2010 he had 561 that stands as his career high he hasn't hit 500 since with the a's you know that's what i'm saying and they and then just go back to the fact that there's no there's no lefty to take the job from him exactly so we we actually like rajay davis a bit here obviously he's got his warts but uh there's just not a lot that that is wrong about him in terms of the the price versus output comparison there by the way th- this is a little bit of a rumor apparently they have maybe some interest in mark trumbo out in oakland um yeah. what, what are your brief thoughts on that like you know th- this is really oakland to me uh that this totally fits in fact i believe it was you mr eno Sayers, who speculated that they might get in on the edwin and canarcion sweepstakes and then we and learned won- that yeah. they were the second place finisher on it. They- the, the market has totally flipped from Moneyball, and now the now if you're if slugging is your number one skill, you're undervalued. Yes, now power's cheap. It used to be too expensive, so they went with walks and and base hits, and now they're yeah. saying, well, power's mad cheap. So you know, if they were going to spend on Encarnacion, getting Trumbo should not be that difficult by comparison. How how would you like him out there? I certainly don't have any questions about whether or not he can hit for power. I, I think he can hit for power anywhere Mark Trumbo could. But w- would you be interested in him out in Oakland? Well, two things. About the power thing, there, people are doing the overlays again with the home runs and saying, you know, here are his home runs in Oakland. They all would have gone out just like Chris Davis. And it, it did work out for Chris Davis. The one thing I want to say, though, is that Baltimore is one of the hottest stadiums in baseball. Correct. And Oakland is one of the coldest. So those balls wouldn't have gone as far. Yeah, you have to cut some feet off of those. I like those overlays, but they don't tell all the story. They're a little bit of a snapshot. And you got to kind of go deeper on those. Uh, or, or else you could be. Launch angle. Yeah, you can get in trouble. Yeah. But, you know, they changed. Uh, he changed his launch angle a little bit. Uh, he really maximized his approach at the plate. He told me that I'm just going to swing for the fences all the time and I'm not going to worry about strikeouts. And I think that's the best Trumbo you can be because, you know, when he tries to go for contact, it doesn't really work and the power goes down and he doesn't make that much more contact. He's just going to be a guy who walks like 5% of the time and strikes out 23% of the time or whatever. It's not going to look good in terms of OBP, WRC plus. Hey, man. Only has 110 next year, but... He's going to hit you a bunch of bombs. And right now, the DH for the Athletics is Jed Lowry. 
And, and stupid Yonder uh, Alonso playing first. Right. And Yonder Alonso, I think, will be better defensively going through, in, going forward. Sure, but Trumbo's so, not terrible at first. Like and he, That's another thing. All the projections for Trumbo are saying that um, that he's going to be bad defensively, but he's a good uh, defensive first baseman. I agree. It's so, outfield that, that holds him uh, down defensively. So I don't even know that Yonder Alonso is necessarily going to keep the hold on that first base area if he doesn't ha- – find some ability to hit man that guy oof, he has just not panned out at all he looked like he could be a solid uh you know never a huge power guy but I, I thought coming up in the minors he would be a 20-something homer guy with good average and obp with and great defense and he, he's got the defensive part but nothing else in yonder alonzo's game so yeah. i think trouble could be uh last year i think that might be a one-year blip i think between trumbo and and yonder you kind of have like a 1vdh they don't really they need uh, Jed Lowry in the field. I think. You know, I think. I think um, so too. Second base. Second base. Joey Wendell is a little bit too much to depend on right now. If Wendell makes the team, you still want to kind of have Wendell, Lowry, Alonzo, Trumbo, kind of, you know, going in and out. There's nobody that can really you really want uh, behind Semyon at short, and you start to run out of spaces. You can't really bring Max Chapman and uh, or Matt Olson in because you you have Marcanha. And then you're you're really starting to run out of spaces, and who's going to be your backup shortstop? So maybe you go with Chad Pinder, Pinder. over Joey Wendell, yeah. So that so that Chad Pinder can play second and short, and then you don't then you want Jed Lowry over Chad Pinder most of the time because of the bat difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I think that that works out. Uh, that that would be a nice signing too. I would actually I would actually applaud them for that, and I would have you know just as much interest as I do now in Mark Trumbo, which is a modicum, you know. It's hard to argue with an MLB high 47 homers. I've never been a huge Trumbo guy. I kept waiting for the bottom to fall out last year, but I didn't know about the changes he made. What's that? I just wanted to go to Colorado. Oh, my God. That would be so great. Dude, (laughs) but they've got, you know, uh, renowned first baseman Ian Desmond playing there, dude. (laughs) Come on, man. Keith Hernandez uh, of our generation Ian freaking Desmond. Listen, I love Ian Desmond, so I'm not really shading him. I'm just kind of shading the idea that he's going to play first base. It just, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, Trouble Out to Oakland would be cool. That's not set in stone yet. That's just a rumor. Uh, we do have a small signing here. Get, just get your brief thoughts on it because my, my only question is, can Drew Storen factor in the saves picture in Cincinnati? Uh, it's the thing there that we have to discuss is really where I mean where the Reds are in such a spot that I think that they kind of well how far are the Reds because the the, the top thirty prospects just came out and they're not it's not great no but at the top of it they got Nick Senzel and Jesse Winker mm-hmm. and those guys are ready like pretty close absolutely yeah, everyone thought Winker would make a make an appearance this year. Yeah, I think Winker's going to be up this year. Or this past, I, I, I mean to say, we all kind of thought year, maybe he yeah. would make a, a, an appearance in, in 16. Well, he just had a terrible power year. The, ta- the power just disappeared. I don't know what happened there. But um, we'll, we'll see We'll see Winker this year. Senzel's going to be in double A at some point this year, and so you could see him. So that's kind of close. Then the next, like, six or seven guys on the list are all in short A ball. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a little weird. So let's assume they're far away because that's sort of how it looks. So then the next question is, 
if they're far away, then I think you want the, to trade Iglesias. That's what I was going to say. It, it, is Iglesias the guy that's going to block off the closer's role from somebody like a Drew Storen who's, who's done it before? I love Iglesias. I actually think he'd be much better in, in what I'll – I'll, I'll call the Andrew Miller role, even though we know that that's not necessarily a, a, an in-season role, but but the way it was used in the playoffs. But that similar type of guy who you want ready to go maybe two innings uh, a couple times a week and put out those big fires in the sixth through eighth innings, I think he might be underutilized if he's quote-unquote only a closer. Yeah. Yeah, and they did actually pitch him in those two-inning stints last year. And he has three pitches, so we we've, we've talked a lot about Rysel Iglesias, and um, I, I don't know if they're if they're maybe that maybe it doesn't matter about um, maybe it doesn't matter about he, about how close they are. Maybe they're just going to use Iglesias. Maybe maybe in the marketplace that is the trade value marketplace, maybe Andrew Miller has changed things so that they can use Iglesias as a as a fireman that you suggest, and then still get whatever they want on the open market if they decide to sell him, right? Plus, maybe they've got him locked up through 2020 or through 2021 at four, two, five, two, five, seven, five, seven. And then arbitration in 2021 for, for Rysel Iglesias. I mean, he's cost controlled. They don't really necessarily need to worry about in, inflating his value either. Yeah. That probably speaks more yeah. to keeping him in the closers role then because we know saves drive up prices in arbitration. So I don't know. I, I just drew Storm. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of hard. I would have said uh, Iglesias and Lorenzen. That, that, I was going. I was just about to bring up Lorenzen. I actually kind of liked him as a, as a sleeper to get the role, and you put Iglesias in the Andrew Miller role. But now Storm kind of muddies up the whole water there because. You know whether we like it or not, he he has been a proven closer, and that's gonna that's gonna weigh with some managers. I don't know if Brian Price. Wait, did they fire Brian Price? Do they have a new manager? No, they they stuck with Brian Price. (laughs) So that tells you how much I'm fastball graded out by uh, by whiffs and and whiffs and uh, grounders as better than Chapman's. But there's a little bit of flaw in my methodology, and uh, Lorenzen's fastball is a two seamer versus. uh, versus Chapman's four seamer, and so you know there's some comparison stuff there. I, I actually like Lorenzen. I think Lorenzen as a reliever can be very good. He's got a, in college, right? Really, yeah, he's a really big fastball guy. So um, you know, and then Singrani, you know, facing more lefties, there's a chance that bullpen gets a little better next year, and Storen's going to be a part of that. In terms of saying who's going to be the closer. I would put, let's say, let's say you had ten chips to put down on 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 this. You had, uh, you know, ten hypothetical dollars. I think just because Iglesias to me is the best pitcher, and I like to focus on that, mm-hmm. I'm still going to give Iglesias like six six of those dollars. I think I'm so with you. Might, just because I'm going to bet on he's cost controlled, as we mentioned, and he's the best guy. That a lot of times just just leads to the saves. I don't know if the playoffs, the way we saw re- reliever deployment, is necessarily going to change in season management that much. And so I think that he's still going to be the the, the go to guy in the ninth. Yeah, I might even then, give him seven of the uh, theoretical chips. And then and then I think uh, either three to one or two to one, uh, Stone Lorenzo, Correct. where I think Lorenzen's the one who gets hurt because he's not under team control. He doesn't really have the uh, background, and 
you know, keeping him out of holds will keep him cheaper even. So, um, you know, just making him, you know, useful in the seventh will be, uh, will be good for the team. And, um, uh, you know, he'd have to, I think kind of wow in, in, uh, in the spring or, or the team would have to be like, we're doing something different. Iglesias is going to come in whenever we need mm-hmm. him. And, and, and Lorenzen's going to pitch the night sometimes and, it's possible, but I don't see Dick Williams as that much far out in front. You know, he's not – I don't think that he's necessarily um, shepherding the Rays or anything. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, so as it stands, Drew Storen's just not uh, really a non-factor. If if he comes back and he starts to look like the Drew Storen of old, he could maybe be that $1 asset in an NL only that uh, instead of putting in a crap starter that you just kind of get some Ks from – uh, and some decent ratios, but he would have to show some things um, to kind of prove that that he, that he's back. Because even with Seattle last year, when he kind of got on track for 18 innings with them, Drew Storen still only struck out 7.9. And so it's been a while. Well, actually, it's only been the the one year um, since 2015 when he had a big strikeout rate. But that's his only that's his only time that he had a big strikeout rate too. Uh, so he kind of needs saves to drive his value. And if he's not getting them in Cincy, you can pretty much ignore Drew Storen. Yeah. I, I think the big thing I'd watch for in spring because results are kind of iffy velocity. Yep. He, he, he took a big dive. He used to be, you know, 93 plus 94 plus even. And then last year he was 91 and a half. So I would, uh, I would just watch for readings and not like, he touched ninety five. No, no, no. Today. Where's he sitting? Where did he sit? Yeah. He, the the gun freaked out and it said he hit one oh eight. He's gonna be the closer. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that specifically because I was in spring training uh, in two thousand seven for the Tigers and Joel Zumaya did hit one oh eight, quote unquote. Of course, it wasn't nice. reported because we all know that the gun was was messed up. But uh, yeah, so be careful of those Drew Storm one oh eight readings. All right, you know, rumor and then and then team talk here. Tyson Ross, Rangers, Cubs, Nationals, all allegedly pursuing him. What's the best fit, and what's your outlook for Tyson Ross, who lost uh, virtually the full season to to injury this past this past year? Thoracic outlet is really tough. Sure is. I think I don't know the best the best case scenario. There, it's a list of eight guys that came back after it or something. It's so new best, that it's tough. Yeah. That's why I'm worried about Harvey, to be honest. Yeah. Although supposedly Harvey had the better one, there's kind of one where they move the muscles or something, one where they move the nerves. Okay. I don't know. I, I this is something as Zimmerman or um, you know Mike's son is is really good at By that. By the way, Dr. I'll have some news on Doctor Mike's Mike son. son soon. All right, good news. Uh, Doctor Mike's son knows a, a decent amount about uh, the health and, and and outcomes of these things. Um, and then so uh, or maybe. Um, yeah, there's, you know, ask someone else is basically what I'm saying. But uh, I can tell you about outcomes and what's happened before. And the best outcome was Carpenter, Chris Carpenter. Mm-hmm. He came back and had like three seasons afterwards. So, you know, take that. that I think he might have been a little bit older. That, These that's guys the are thing. starting to get a little and, young. And that's another thing that skews it is, is uh, what is it called? S- survivor bias. Some of the guys just kind of fell off the map afterwards, not necessarily because of the surgery, but because they were 36 anyway, when they got it. And maybe you wouldn't have expected them to necessarily, uh, you know, come back and and be good anyway. I think um, Jaime Garcia had it in return this past season. He wasn't great, but, but he pitched. Yeah. That was Jaime. Yeah. Jaime Garcia was the other one. Yeah. 
the um, the the thing that I find interesting is um, for Matt Harvey is that he's young and supposedly had the better version of it, and he had it, you know, earlier than the other guys. Um, you know, so he could come back and have a Jaime Garcia version. And that's not saying he pitched like Jaime Garcia. He'll pitch like Jaime Garcia compared to before the surgery. You know, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So Jaime was like at about 80% Jaime Garcia. So I actually think Harvey could manage about 80% next year. I'm not sure, but if it only cost me, you know, eight to 10 bucks to find out, I'm, I'm, I'm actually still in because he's on the younger side and he's one of the best ones to have it. Filthy. Tyson Ross, I think, is similar, but he was later. Yep. The it, it seemed to take longer. There were more complications. There were other issues. He hurt his ankle. Uh, it was just this whole long thing. And what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, more of a let's sign him for two years and you know ten million dollars. This he was year to get nine and, and hoping yeah. to get next year, right? Yeah, and that's why you know the, the it's right now. Uh, the the Rangers and the Cubs are, are the ones that are in because they have guys that can play, that can pitch, but if he's healthy, he could be better than those guys that, that can like pitch. Like Mike Montgomery, you know? unfortunately. So, right. Jerks. Right. So, I mean, we, we, we're hoping Rangers, and I think the Rangers have a little bit more uh, need. Yes, I, than... I would certainly say so because they're just kind of collecting assets, hoping something's going to work behind Darvish and Hamels. They've got Martin Perez. Yeah, they, they 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 picked up Kashner, AJ Griffin, trying to be this this era's Rich Hill in terms of uh, wicked curveball, <laughs> never pitches. I mean, they want to add Tyson Ross. That makes they're just they're going to throw a few more things against the wall and, and hope they can find three pieces at the back. Or I guess two pieces. I think they're going to go with Martin Perez um, either way, but they're still trying to find a way to round out their rotation. So I think that they're going to look hard at Tyson Ross. You talked about Cashner as a reliever, so exactly. you know, and then Ross could be a reliever depending on how he comes back. So I think, you know, Ross Cashner is actually a decent way to kind of pair two starters and say one of those guys is going to be, you know, decent reliever, and one of those guys is going to be our, our fourth and fifth starter. So. I think that's fair. We'll keep we'll keep an eye out on on Tyson Ross news and maybe cover it a little bit more when he does officially sign somewhere. But you know, it's time for some team by team breakdowns. Paul, Paul, forty minutes yep. in, we're gonna do it. <laughs> Maybe we we'll just do one today. We'll see. Listen, Eno and I make you know and I make a rundown, and we're like, "Oh, this is this is not enough. We have to add more to it." Show is four hours. <laughs> Whoops. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna do one right now, and we'll see how long they take because this is a new format. We don't even know how long each one's gonna take. We're only gonna do one today. Let's be honest, folks. But <laughs> if by some strange miracle, it's like fifteen minutes. It's not going to be. Then we'll do both. So we're going to do both the Giants and the Yankees today. We're just going to do the Giants. We want to get them started. So let's start with the Giants. First things first, you know, talk about that lineup. Now I'm going to go off of roster resources projections here. They've got uh, their projected 25-man roster, and their lineup looks like Denard Spann in center, Brandon Belt at first, Buster Posey in, at catcher, Hunter Pence in right, Brandon Crawford at short, Eduardo Nunez at third, Joe Panic at second base, and Jarrett Parker in left field. This is why they've been consistently rumored for a potential trade, maybe with uh, J.D. Martinez or elsewhere around the league. Uh, they have Mac Williamson, who would be kind of a platoon for Jarrett Parker, but the left field is probably open at this point if they can do something either on the market or via trade 
What do you think of this lineup as a whole? What, what, what's your initial thoughts on the San Francisco lineup? Is the spot where you're investing, staying away? How do you feel? I mean, I think the only way that it's going to get it's going to be better is if Hunter Pence is healthier, you know, for more than a year. Posey. He kind of yeah, kind of played through be better, some injury. In general, you know, early in this offseason, I and this was from a real life baseball perspective. I said that the Giants are closer to doom than people think, mm-hmm. and I think it's mostly because they the team is all post peak. Yeah, because they old know? dog. Yeah, they they're they they're starting to look a little longer. Those too. ages were 33, yeah. 29, 30, 34, 30, 30, 26, 28. Yeah. Buster's 29 right now, but by season start he's going to mm-hmm. be 30. And, uh, and and they've signed all these guys to long deals. You know, Brandon Belt will be turning 29 early in the season. They signed all these guys to long deals and they're all post peak. There's nobody there's no reason to think any of these guys is going to be at better. Uh, Joe Panic is 26. We'll get to him. And we'll, we'll get, get to him. him. And, but I, I, I would like to just point him out in this comp, in the context of this discussion because um, he's he could get a little better and he was he was unhealthy mm-hmm. last year. Eduardo Nunez was only brought to the picture uh, last year, late last year. So having him, you know, in some ways he could be better than uh, Matt Duffy. So you know that especially uh, Matt Duffy, twenty sixteen, who was who was pretty meh. Right. But they're going to lose a little bit in in the in left field there. Pagan was not great, but the projections for Parker and Williamson are pretty poor. And uh, I think that'll be an interesting. I think that's the one of the few sources for you know opportunity too. This is a really fantasy boring team, that, you know, in terms of fantasy. That's the thing. Like they're all. Almost everybody except for the Parker, uh, the, the rest one through seven are guys that are actually going to be pretty much mixed league viable in, in some fashion, pretty much even down to 10 teamers, at least as a, as a reserve for, for a couple of the guys. But none of them were outside of Posey where you're like, oh, I got to get this guy or these guys are going in the super early rounds. It's just kind of like, eh, here's a I'll take Benny Crawford as a as a middle. I'll take Denard Span as a fourth or fifth outfielder. Nothing that's really going crazy for you yeah and and even posey uh and belt unless like unless it's an obp league those guys are kind of not as exciting as you might think on top of that i mean uh you know buster posey you know at 30 coming off a year where he hit 288 with 14 homers uh, that's just not enough to to pay for the top second round not especially not when you know gary sanchez and um, you know, even Yasmani Grandal, and there's there's guys up and down the catcher list that could play better next year and cost less. Tom Murphy, so, uh, yeah, Tom Sickest. Murphy, who that catcher? <laughs> no, I I, so, I think uh, you make a good but point. Grant there. Belt, like I'm kind of off. I used to be like my answer to you know who's a guy that you know is undervalued on this team used to be Brandon Belt, and he did uh, add. 14 RBI, which is something I expected. Play a little bit more, add 14 RBI, 100 plate appearances. All that stuff was good, but I don't think there's any, you know, big power output coming. Well, he's, yeah, he's kind of gone and, the other way. He's actually, I think, a little bit overrated at this point. Yeah. I, I think that there's there's a, a level of hype that still surrounds Brandon Belt um, that I think maybe a little bit over 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 uh, overrated. 
in a batting average league, he's a 260 guy with 15 to 18 homers. That's um, it, with the homers around the league. That's that's. That's I, in a ten-team league. I don't even think he's a back-end uh, utility. And, and no longer, kind of... you know, we had a couple years where he had like that outfield eligibility where you could sneak him in there. Now at first base, you're talking corner only. So I, I'm I'm with you. That just it just doesn't jump off the page the way it used to. I mean, he's still former Longhorn, so I love him from that aspect. But that's not going to win me any fantasy titles. Let's talk a little bit about this rotation here. This is this is the bread and butter, at least in terms of. Well, we should. Well, is there is there any opportunity in left field? Parker's 28. That's one thing when I was reading those ages. Yeah, that was in order of how I listed those guys. So the the unknown guy isn't some young up and comer. He's 28. And you got Mac Williamson on the other end of that platoon who's 27, or he's going to be 27. And, uh, you know, Mac Williamson, I think, is the better player. The problem is he's right handed. So if they are going to go to a straight platoon, he's going to be on the, on the short end of mm-hmm. the stick. But. I think if I was in a deep league, I would take those two years and give Mag Williamson a shot. I don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting thing I still to watch. Think they're going to do something because, for it. I, I don't know what it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, they already signed. It, it's Michael Morse. Oh, that's they got Michael Morse in the minors. You think that they're going to do one of their one of their classic San Francisco scrap heaps? Oh yeah, I think so. Man. They, 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 I don't think they have a lot of money. I think they're, they're, they're over two hundred million, and they're, they're up against that. Uh, that it, the cap isn't in place this year, um, but um, they kind of don't want to get too close, and they also want to be able to add during the season. Exactly, so. and they signed Melanson um, this off season, and as you mentioned, they've been signing these big deals, and, and as we kind of transition into the rotation. That's where a lot of their money's tied up as well. Of course, they lead it off with with Bumgarner, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, Matt Moore, Matt Kane. Um, quality rotation still. I think uh, you got four viables there for mixed league. I don't really know what to expect out of Matt Kane, and whatever comes of it will not be on any of my fantasy teams. I just haven't seen anything oh, that makes me say, "Ooh, I got, I got, yeah, oh, I got to try this out again." It's just not. Not really working. So let's focus on the other four. Then we know Bumgarner's a bona fide ace. Well, here I have a Matt Cain story from from the winter meeting. What, what story? I have a Matt oh, Cain story from the winter meeting. And it's a matter of public record, so I don't think um, I'm going to get so anybody in, in trouble. This is but... a fair casting aspersions episode, then. Well, it, it is. It's definitely public casting aspersions. aspersions. It's just it's just it's just in the public record. Okay. So you know, not um, I'm not tattling <laughs> on anyone. So. Uh, Bruce Bochy was giving his little his little thing at the end of the winter meetings, and um, Bruce Bochy was, was talking, and someone said, "Well, what do you what do you think about Matt Cain in the rotation?" And this is this is Bruce Bochy's response. He looks at another beat writer and he says, "How many years we got left on oh that?" My God. <laughs> oh my! Nobody God. noticed. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was stifling laughter and just if i had had milk in my mouth i would have snorted it. why would so, you have milk in your mouth in this scenario well I'll be, just for the okay i like day. it i like it so um i think you're out here <laughs> i think you're out here casting aspersions and and frankly i'm i'm Definitely. in on it cast those aspersions yeah. so i'm putting tie block <laughs> i'm putting tie block in at number okay. five uh do you care about tie block i think it's actually Yes, actually, I think he's uh, the opportunity here for deep leaguers. Okay. Just lead off with a deep league opportunity. I think 
he's not going to be exciting strikeout wise. I think the projections might even have him high. He might be another, you know, have another five K nine season. But I do think that ground ball rate is legit because he has good command. He has really good command. He's got a, he got a little bit of that Glavin feel, where he just hits that outside corner and keeps stretching it out, and um, inching further and gonna, further. Yeah, and I think he's going to have weak contact, real low home run to, uh, home run totals. I think the projections might even have him a little high there. So even the projections, if you look at him, three eight six ERA, one two eight WHIP, uh, that's decent. You know that'll play, and they have him with a forty seven percent ground ball rate which I sort of believe, based on his stuff, uh, I believe uh, you know, he has a good changeup, good um, you know, 10 inches of, of arm side movement, good sink, uh, decent slider. None of it's good velocity, which is his problem. But in terms of you know, getting weak contact, not giving up homers, I kind of believe in him. So um, you know, I think a 3.75 ERA, 125 whip is possible out of him. Okay, okay. It's not. It's not like you know. It's it, that'd be kind of hard to play in a fifteen-team league, even with with six K nine. But um, you know, it's a it's a guy. Okay. Well, that that I think that will qualify as your um, off the radar asset, which uh, there you which, go. Which, which is a category that we have here. Quickly, we'll talk about the bullpen, then we'll get into some some specifics here on favorite targets, stay away off the radar asset, and p- potential uh, impact. Um, impact prospect bullpen i mentioned they signed melanson that's obviously going to be their closer i think he would have to i mean to get a super long leash something would really really have to go awry before strickland will smith or Derek law would come into the picture but how do you feel about those three in that one to two dollar nl only super deep league realm where you're just trying to get some good ratios and k's um what was that? Uh, with regards to Strickland, Will Smith, and Derek Law, oh, how do you okay. feel about them? Yeah. I was still. I'm sorry. I was. I was sort of staring at this. I mean, you could you could hit on Melanson if you want, but he's locked in. I think he's a top five closer. You know, he doesn't. I I just I, I believe in Strickland. I, I still do. I think that he's going to finally. I think that last year was one of the worst years of managing for Bruce Bochy, and that he should have worked Hunter Strickland and Derek Law into safe situations early in the year. He should have seen. Uh, Casilla blow up coming and by working Strickland and law into you know three three run leads in the ninth inning against the Padres early in the season he would have given them more confidence and he would have given them uh, more safe situation stuff and also you know kept the media off their back later if they did blow one because you know at least you know you can look down and say oh he's only blown one out of three saves one out of eight saves instead of one out of one you know (laughs) Uh, it seems like Strickland was always the guy where at the back where Bochy's like, oh, not you, not you, not, oh, God, <laughs> you, I guess. But, you know, in terms of stuff, he's got he's got a, a good fastball. Spin rate's not the problem. Um, his secondary stuff, he has a slider and a split. They're both good. He just doesn't really trust the slider and split enough because of, I think, a confidence issue. Command is not a problem. So I think, um, you know, he's going to start throwing sliders and fastball counts. He's going to get people behind you know, guessing a little bit, then the fastball will look even bigger. Uh, I think Strickland can still close for somebody or for, for the giants. I think he's the next in line. Law is pretty decent. And both those guys are going to have good strikeout rates, good ERAs and, and be helpful, helpful to your team. All right. Fair enough. Now 
Let's get into some uh, specifics here. Who's your favorite target on the Giants, pitching or hitting? At, at perceived cost. We don't have firm costs right now. We have some ideas of average draft positions. Well, Couch, Couch Managers has some stuff up. And even MS, MSNBC, NFBC. NFBC does. And actually, uh, Fantrax does as well. And we're going to actually be getting some data from Fantrax on average draft position very soon. So so look for that uh, on our sidebar very soon. I but, don't have an exact time. But, but it, it's it's – it's morphing data. Like there's going to be some stark changes. So that's why I said perceived value right, right now. I'm going to fade the entire lineup. Um, Hunter Pence is a little bit interesting if his if his cost drops so much because he's been hurt. And I don't think it will but though. The even, name value will, will keep him at a certain level. I think. And without the steals, the projection of a 260 average and 20 home runs is is not is not upper half in any position not you know? with the power that we saw across the league for sure right so i'm gonna fade the entire lineup okay. and um i'm not fading Bumgarner. it's just he's gonna cost ace prices i mean there's two pitchers two starting pitchers i like a little bit that's johnny cueto and matt moore yep. and, and maybe even a little samarja the, the middle of the the middle of that rotation is interesting to me because cueto is a secret ace. I agree. Always has been. I, I, f- and... I fully, fully agree there. I do not think he gets his uh, his credit as an ace, and, and it's it's always been peculiar to me. I got to do a big interview with him within this year. Just have to set up with a translator and, and get it done because he's really good, I think, at everything that doesn't show up in our traditional pitching metrics and productions because he keeps the, uh, the runner on first really well. He picks guys off. He p- plays his position well despite – Looking like a human hamburger. He does, wi- he does, and human hamburger. He, he, he does he, wiggles mid mid pitch. He does those wiggles. Yeah, he does. He does everything. Still waiting for MLB kind of, the show to uh, incorporate those wiggles somehow. I don't know how yeah. they could do it, but it would be cool if they if they were able to. So you know, you know, if your ace is Cueto, but you do, um, you do something where you're like Cueto Sanchez. I don't know. That's I don't love. That I don't one, even think you necessarily Cueto. need to, you know, because there's not as many Cueto aces. Crasso. This season, so yeah. if, if you miss out on that first wave, and and you wait fourth fifth round and you get Cueto as your ace, I don't think you have to back him up in the fifth and sixth round. I think you can wait till seventh eighth to get your second guy and get somebody like Danny Duffy or Julio Tehran or something like that. And I, th- yeah. I I'm perfectly comfortable. Cueto Duffy's that. interesting because Duffy more strikeouts and, and what I would what uh, I would do more risks, here's here's but... the plan I would do if I get Cueto as my ace. I'm more apt to, to jump into the closer pool early and get a Zach Britton and a Kenley Jansen or something. Maybe if I'm on the if I'm on the end. Oh uh, supplement your strikeouts that way. Uh, with your with your closer. And then yeah. and then wait a few more rounds and get my, my starting pitchers down the line instead of having to back him up with a with a strikeout starting pitcher, I back him up that way with a stud closer or two. Not necessarily both, but just one. Maybe I go Quato Britton. And then I let pitching go for a little bit, and I start dipping in on the uh, Aaron Nola, James Paxton, John Gray, Kevin Gosman sort of sort of field there. So let's see here, Cueto uh, by uh, NFBC on stats, which I think is is current. Okay, it looks right. Uh, is tenth, which is a little bit higher than I expected, but I I do like it still. And uh, his his max pick, his lowest pick was fifty nine. So you could you could wait to that fourth fifth round. I like that. Uh, 
I can get him in the fifth and round, fourth round. You could do the old guy pairing, which would be totally against what everyone else is doing, is the Quato Verlander, and just kind of go back to back. Studs. Um, there's Carrasco's going after Quato, so I, maybe he's more value than I thought. Uh, but Quato Carrasco is interesting. Quato Kyle Hendricks. Uh, that would be kind of boom, boom, your two, your two picks in a row. But if you do what you say and wait, uh, Danny Duffy is the 25th highest at 110. So you actually have 50 picks in between. And so you're still getting uh, another hitter you or you're get getting that Zach Britton. Yeah. So. But uh, there is a funny thing that happens around Danny Duffy is uh, there's that soft middle that I, I, start, to, I start to not like well, it, again. It, it drops off quickly, you know. It's kind of surprising. 24 is, is Porcello, which I don't like him that high. Agreed. Then, then you got Duffy, which uh, Duffy Quintana, which is okay. But then Teron and then Cole, who's hurt. Harvey hurt. Hill hurt. Roark not as good as that. Felix Hernandez hurt and old. Alex Reyes, okay, maybe I'm back in. Again. Uh, not that but, high though. I mean, I like him, but that's pretty high. Salazar, although okay, so Salazar I'm hurt. into a little bit, but Kite, I'm not really. Salazar hurt. Uh, Fulmer, Tyon, no changeup. Uh, you know, so you know between. Kenta Maeda, Zach Greinke, would they're a little bit expensive for me, but they're at 100, okay, right? Okay. I could almost, and then Danny Duffy's at 110. I could almost take a pass on pitching until 100. That's where I'm at this year. I really am. If I, I'm trying to get a, a guy I really like in the fourth, fifth round area in the Arizona draft. It was Carrasco. Uh, I would definitely be in on somebody like a Cueto. You Darvish is, is sneaking to the end of the fourth round in some instances, something like that. And then maybe a closer, but then I'm not back in on pitching until the the late single digits, early double digit rounds again. Um, I, yeah. I, it, and then, you know, back at 150, then you get Kevin Gaussman, Julio Arias. Then you can, you can take shots at guys, you know, Steven Matz. Then, then you can have some fun. And, and yeah, James uh, Paxton. That's where I'm getting back in, and I'm starting to, like you said, yeah. take your shots, get a few of them, hope to really click on one of them. You know, you don't want to bust out on any of them, but if you take three of those type of guys in between the ninth and 14th rounds, you're hoping one really busts out, one is just solid, and then, yeah, you can kind of piss away the other because you know that not every, every draft pick you make is going to click. So I'm with you there, and I think that your overarching point – because we use this, uh, the jump off was Cueto. I say don't, don't, uh, don't be afraid to value him as an ace. He is an ace. Uh, he gives you ace quality numbers. That the health he gets, he gets a bad rap for health record. I don't think it's as bad as uh, as the perception suggests on Cueto. He has the one season where he had like sixty five innings or something. But other than that, he's been a 212, 244, 220 inning guy the last three years. And then before the 61 inning season, he was at 217. So this is a guy out there making 32 plus starts a season for four of the last five years. I mean, he's only going to be 31. He's not some some aged guy. And like you said, even though he looks like a human hamburger, your quote, I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's a bit more athletic than than, than even that perception would would. Uh, put out there in terms of uh, the softness of his body. So I'm, I'm a big Cueto guy. I'm with you there in terms of uh, that's somebody that I think you can get a little bit of surplus value on. My favorite target on the team is actually Joe Panic because I don't think he's going to cost you much of anything, particularly in your 10-12 team mixed leagues. If you don't get in early on second base with somebody that you like, just wait. Uh, th- and this isn't just for Panic. This is just for the position in general. It is extremely deep. 
uh, okay, maybe not even worrying about second base. Maybe you don't want him to be your starting second baseman. Then for middle, just wait, and I would plug Panic in. I think there's a lot to suggest that he's going to get that batting average back up. For some reason, even when he got back from his concussion, and it might have been the concussion, except the skills don't really s- suggest that. If you look and you say, okay, before the concussion he was this, when he came back he was this, maybe the concussion lingered and there was issues there. I think it was honestly more bad luck than it was the concussion. His his walk rate, contact rate both improved uh, after he got back, but his, his hit percentage, his BABIP, tumbled. Uh, and it was already low before that. So I think he's a rebound candidate that if he is healthy and doesn't have any lingering issues, uh, you're looking at somebody who could go to 290 again. Now, he doesn't do a whole lot with it. Joe Panic doesn't. But I'll take 500 at-bats uh, of, of a 290 or 550 at-bats of a 290 average with 9 to 11 homers and a handful of stolen bases. And then his runs and RBIs are kind of whatever as my middle in a mixed league or as my second baseman in a really deep league where I'm stacking up everywhere else. So Joe Panic's my favorite target on the, uh, on the Giants this year. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Jeff Samarja and Matt Moore because uh, they added pitches and um, Jason and I were you know, hyping more on Sunday's episode too. So check that out as well. Yeah. So, you know, the new cutter, I think um, could help him to uh, repeat his career best walk rate and, um, and soft con, you know, it's BABIP and, and um, you know, if he does that, this is more and, you're talking uh, about, takes, right? Yeah. More. Um, if he does that and, you know, he had a, a, a 0.66, um, uh, home runs for nine with the Giants. And um, if he combines that with uh, three walks for nine, um, he was a lot better late in the season when he was throwing yep. a cutter. That's when he had that near no hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I could actually see him uh, besting his projections, which are decent already at 362, 123, you know, 362 ERA, 123 whip, 8.5K9. I think he could be a guy who's like 3435. Uh, one, two whip. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm only shading a little bit off of there because I, I don't want to get too crazy, but, um, you know, that's when you're talking about that, that's a number two, I think. In most yeah. Leagues. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped on Matt Moore and, uh, and Samarja, Samarja gives, you know, Samarja gives up hard contact at this point. I'm sort of sure of that. Um, and he's a little bit less than the sum of his parts. But if you look up a three eight ERA with a one two whip at the full season stuff, if you can if you can stomach leaving him in there, um, at this point, he, yeah, he's definitely an innings guy. And um, let's see here, when did he start throwing the curve? Let me do a game log thing here. Pitch type. Uh, he started throwing it like late in the season. He started throwing the curve. Okay, so I'm just gonna just I'm not looking at his results at all. I'm just gonna. The first time he started throwing the curve was 8-10, August okay. 10. So I'm going to do the game log for August 10. Um, select it up. And then look at the uh, dashboard. All right, 2-4-5 ERA, 2-6-2 FIP, 9-K-9, 2.6 walks per nine, point four three home runs to 9. That's the big number. That's the big number. He stopped giving up home runs as badly when he started using the curve to steal strikes and get soft contact. And that's so, going to be huge if we're going to continue to see these home runs uh, go out of the park the way they did this this past season. That can just kill a guy so quickly. That's the that's the quickest way to tank an ERA is is to give a bunch a bunch of long balls. So I, 
I like to see that Samarjic is doing something to kind of keep the ball in the park. He's in a good park to do so as well. We didn't see quite the improvement that we would have hoped. He went from 1-2 to 1-1, but I still think there is a a path to kind of get him back into that 0.7.8 range and then you can start pushing the ERA down to the mid threes instead of the upper threes. Uh and Samarja and he's going to have a better whip than Matt Moore and uh you know, he has the stuff to have a strikeout per inning. Exactly. Yeah. To your point, he, time, he's, so. he's been worse than the sum of his parts, but the the parts are still there, and you know he could yeah. continue to refine a little bit. And not going to have a spike. I don't think he's going to go back to a two ninety nine ERA like that one big season in twenty fourteen. But I think a, a low to mid threes ERA is in play as an upside. And if all you get is last year on repeat, you'll take it for what you're paying for Samarja. Uh, let's see. Let's see what you're playing real quick, just to just to finish off that point. Um. Wow, he's is he really that low? Let me see. Okay, there he is, fifty four, fifty fourth pitcher, okay. uh, two hundred and two average draft pick, all the way down to two twenty six. Um, that's actually healthier than I expected because, uh, you, you know, Carlos Rodon is going after him, and James Paxton. They're both going after him. So, yeah. I mean, but sign me up. but. That's not every league. I'll take Rodon and Paxton sure. over Samarja. But then there's other guys like uh, Taiwan Walker. I will take uh, Samarja. Adam Wainwright, I'll take Samarja. Um, I don't know. Joe Ross, I'll take Samarja. Ian Kennedy, I'll take Samarja. So there's Samarja depends on how he drops in, in your league in particular. And then let me see more. I'll be curious. I'm 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 very eager to hear this one on more. I also think it's going to go up, whatever it is. Forty-five. Oh, people. Well, you know what? There are probably not a lot of drafts already. No, that. So we don't know. That's definitely true. Um, let me see. I, I I just finished a fifty-round draft and hold. So let me get you some ideas on where the guys went in that particular league. Hang on. Matt Moore first went. Uh, what 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 is this thing doing here? He did not go in the 50th round. That's Andrew Moore. Who the hell is Andrew Moore? He went in the 14th round. Uh, Matt Moore did. Samarja, and this is a 15-teamer. Oh, that's a lot. The, that's a they lot both went one. in the 14th round of this one, uh, Samarja and Matt Moore. Cueto. So name some guys around oh, I'll, I'll get back to that in one second. Cueto went in the third round. In the 14th and 15th round-ish, these starting pitchers were going around – these two guys are right before them in the 13th round. It was Alex, Vincent Velasquez, Alex Reyes, Sean Manaya, and then more. Um, I'll take the, I'll take the giants veterans in a redraft league. I'll take the giants veterans over Manaya. I like Manaya, but the cut, the slider, I like Manaya too, but I don't think this is the leap year. Personally. I did my article on leap year and, uh, AL guys, NL coming out after this episode. And a lot of folks said, well, where's Manaya? And I said, I like him. I don't think this is going to be the year. I actually could see this as kind of a a, a fallback year a little bit and or, or, or a status quo year and then a jump forward uh, next season. So I'm with you. I, I think I would take Matt Moore over Alex Reyes too. Um, yeah. Oh, I, really? I think I would, yeah, yeah. because, you know, it's a classic. It's a classic. Like everyone's gonna want the new exactly. toy in Alex so, Reyes. So sign me up for the guy who's kind of already been through the ringer a little bit. I think Alex Reyes is gonna have his time going through the ringer. So a- after Moore and Samarja, the next starters were. I mean, Moore's Moore's walk rate's probably gonna be better. Than well, my walk rate would be better than Reyes's. Uh, Jared Eikhoff, Sonny Gray. I'll, I'll say Drew Pomeranz, even though I think he, he might be a reliever. Uh, Aaron 
taking over, taking over Sunny Gray. You taking both over Sunny Gray? What taking about Ikoff? I know you, I know you have some love for Ikoff. I do have some love for Ikoff. It's a little bit worse of a home park though, and a little bit more. Pair these open, two, by the way, Ikoff, is... and then uh, Aaron Nola went shortly after. So pair the two Phillies, two Phillies versus two Giants. Um, was it, was it Nola? Yeah. Nola is showing up next to these guys and I'll take Nola. I like, I like Nola, Nola a lot, lot too. Uh, health, uh, obviously a concern, but I think I would like to have one of each. That would be, that would Nola be really more. good. Like we've talked about diversification. I like having one of each because I think the, the floor on more and, and, and Samarja is usable innings eater. And, um and the and the ceiling on Nolan Eikhoff might be a little bit higher. I think that's higher. fair. I think that's fair. And then they they could break out. Eikhoff started throwing that slider more, and he was a much better pitcher after that. Nola could throw his changeup more. Has the most drop of any uh, starting pitcher gross. in baseball, and he just doesn't use it very much. So if he starts using that changeup more, uh, and I, how much of his blow up last it, it, year was exactly. health wise? He was he really was amazing. Good. Aaron Nola was having his leap year. He he was busting out, and then completely fell off the map to the point where he ended the season with a four seventy eight ERA. It's hard not to think that that is injury related. He had a two ninety eight ERA through his first thirteen starts, but then put up a sweet sweet nine eighty two in his last twenty nine and a third innings. And and just and just tanked his season and, and then didn't pitch from June uh, after July twenty eighth um, due to injury. I, you're just not going to convince me that injury didn't play a role in him going six seven five five zero six and three earned runs. He had the one good outing there against Miami. Coincidentally, it was right after he came off the DL, so maybe he was feeling his best. Throws a good outing. Okay, he's back. Nope, psych. Gets uh, his face caved in two more times, and then eventually his season was over. So if Noah's healthy, I like him too. Uh, all right, let's a couple yeah. more things here. Finish up. Obviously, we're not doing the Yankees today. We'll, we'll do two teams next time out. Off the radar asset. I think you might have already said yours in, in high block. This is a buried asset who becomes fantasy relevant right now. Nothing is showing that Ty Block's going to have a starting role. So I assume he's your pick there. Or did you have anybody else that's off the radar that that you think could uh, rise up? Um, that's a pretty no, good one, know. by the way. I, I mean, Ty I, Block, yeah. like I said, you know, not showing up even on on yeah. the twenty five man roster right now. Matt Cain has not shown the ability to stay just healthy. Matt is, just his manager saying that is is is, is sort of amazing. Version. So yeah, so uh, I think he must he must have made it difficult on his manager in, in terms of uh, wanting to be in the rotation when his stuff doesn't. He just doesn't trust his fastball. And um, he's trying to throw other pitches instead of his fastball. And if you watch a Matt Cain start, you'll be amazed by how many non-fastballs you see in the first inning. It's almost like almost every start you're like, okay, fastball, fastball, and then he gets the other stuff. Cain is already, you know, trying to sneak by curveballs in the first inning. So Cain um, is no longer able. Know, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave. Over five in two straight years. It's just uh, there's nothing pointing in the right direction. And he always 
got by with really great command, but if he's not trusting his fastball, that means he doesn't trust his exactly. command of the fastball. And you're you're so. right. That's that's where that's where he found his success, Matt Cain did, and it, he's just not that same guy at all. So I'm with you, and that does create the opening. So Ty Block is yours. Honestly, I didn't really come up with one. Uh, I'm I'm a clown. Uh, I didn't come up with a category or a guy for my own category. You know, I still don't know if you were joking, but uh, about Mike Morse, but he could he could be the guy who kind of rises up, has a big spring, feels healthy, you know, plays 450 plate appearances and does some things. I, I'll, my actual pick, though, I'll say uh, I'll say Jimmy Rollins. Um, you know, we've seen some health issues. With that, with the with the team, not with Brandon Crawford, so I don't think it would be at shortstop. I think it would be maybe elsewhere. I mentioned Joe Panic. I love Joe Panic, but if he doesn't stay healthy, there's going to create an opening. I don't know how much I feel about Eduardo Nunez. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really tepid on Eduardo Nunez for a full season uh, out in San Francisco. So maybe maybe J Roll um, can play some third. Has J- Jimmy Rollins played anywhere else recently? I, I didn't pay attention to him at all this past season. So I don't know. It's mostly short, but you know they like to give Crawford some time off, and I, you know, he can play. He has the arm for third, so I don't see if he could play some third, then they can move Nunez around. And um, you know, there is some opportunity there, but in left field, you know, they're they're just going to throw some spaghetti. Maybe at Howie Kendrick him and, and put him in the outfield yeah. there. Yeah, or or he plays. The third oh yeah, that, and that, that's plays a good call. That's a good call. Uh, so yeah, Rollins so a name to consider. One name to consider who's more uh, maybe in the next category, impact prospect. They don't have very many of them, but uh, Christian Arroyo is the one big name that they've tried to hold Correct. on to this whole way. And a um, little bit of a little bit of a Matt Duffy situation where not a lot of walks, but decent amount of um, of command of the strikes are in terms of making contact and decent amount of power, at least league average okay. until last year. So. You know, if he came in and surprised with the power at all, maybe in the spring, and and uh, you know was better than his projections, it would be in that power department. He could be a guy that was kind of maybe like a two fifty, two sixty, a three hundred OBP. Could he push Nunez from like, third to the outfield, and then and then Arroyo plays third? There, okay, yeah, and that's 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 the a craziest idea, but. I mean, he's 21 and played all last year at Double A. The Giants are a little bit like the Cardinals, where they wait a little bit longer. So I doubt it happens right out of spring. But if Jared Parker and Mac Williamson are not very good, but they don't want to make a trade for like JD Martinez or the Tigers I, aren't selling yet. By the way, I think that yet. that's what kind of held held back the deal um, for JD Martinez was I think Christian Arroyo was was the guy that they were going for. Yeah, yeah, but they don't want to do that because they want to hold on to something uh, that's pre-peak. So, um, you know, in terms of other prospects, I was just going to ask really you about one more, uh, and and then we'll wrap this up. Tyler yeah. Beatty on the pitching side seems to be the like he's the no- consensus number two guy, top pitching prospect. Could he leapfrog your boy Block at some point, maybe in June, because he hasn't had any AAA experience. He spent all all of the past season in Double A. Um, his second two, like his first tour double A was only 72 innings, but it was bad back in 2015. He repeated the level 147 innings of a 281 ERA, uh, 8-2 strikeouts per nine was his highest, uh, was, was two strikeouts higher than 2015, two and a half strikeout to walk ratio, kept, keeps the ball in the park really nicely. I don't know a ton about Tyler Beatty, 
but uh, I remember him being wasn't he a two time first rounder? He was he was signed by the Blue Jays, said no, went to school. Mm. So could could he work his way up at at twenty four? He could. I hated him last year, but then um, I think one of the big deals was they tried to make him a sinker baller, and he lost his velocity and just was terrible, and that's why the strikeouts okay. went away. I mean, if you look at his in rookie and A ball, he had you know when he first came in there, he had some strikeouts. Yeah, it was it was really weird. But he also how he completely of lost them. Yeah. So I think they they wanted to make him a sinker baller, and it didn't work out. So he's back to doing the four seam instead of the two seam, and the strikeouts came back. So, um, you know, you know, there's a possibility there. And I think those those projections from Steamer, which are boring, you know, four point two ERA, one point four WHIP, basically. Uh, those are definitely going to call back on his first attempt at Double A, where he struck out six per nine and had a five ERA, um, and the, the some of the bad strikeout rates. But if you you split his career into halves, he has one half where he had a six strikeout per nine, and another half where he had a mm-hmm. nine strikeout per nine. So it, it's it's not maybe he's going to be good. You know, it's not like it's not really like a whole wide wide, wide array of things. I think it's either he's usable okay. or he's not. And if he's if he's usable, then the changeup has progressed a little bit, and the curveball is fine as a third offering. He's getting the strikeouts, and he's a little bit different than a pitcher than they've been developing. They their own developed guys, a lot of them have been you know Chris Heston type lock types, where they're you know just keeping the ball on the ground and uh, being kind of boring. But um, BD, I guess uh, you know could it could happen. I'm not uh, um, not in full on buy mode okay. or anything, but. Uh, He's he's a two number two guy, and with Ty Block and Matt Cain, number five guys, there's definitely opportunity. Sounds good. All right, you know, uh, now we know if there's more than two bits of news, we got to go one team. If there's nothing to talk about news wise, we can do two teams. That's how it's going to work. So we'll do the Giants today. Uh, we might get back. Maybe we'll get back together early next week. Try to do two two episodes depending on how schedules work. But uh, we're going to be. I mean, it's early, right? It's, it's January fifth. We don't have to hurry the up. And uh, it was Eno's idea to kind of make sure that we're leaning toward teams that are a little bit more set in stone. Notice that the Giants really only had one opening uh, in left field that could really change everything else. One through seven in the lineup is, is, is dead set unless injury strikes. Their rotation one through four is dead set and probably one through five until Kane shows that he sucks again. Since they're paying him, he's going to have the opportunity there. Their bullpen's locked. So we're going to be leaning on the teams that are a little bit more settled right now and then let the other teams but kind it, of play out. It makes, and it makes sense, I think, from a podcasting perspective because not only will we um, you know, not have to go yeah, back Yeah, here's and be nine like, well, we things that changed that because... from our preview. It's now completely yeah. worthless. But on top of that, these teams are the more boring teams, the ones that are set. They're more veteran teams. They're more boring. And we can, you know, offset that with with the, the more interesting news that's exactly. happening. So hopefully still a good episode. I thought it was great. And uh, to bring, I'm just bring saying. You guys, <laughs> I, listen, I'm pat myself I don't know, how, I don't know about you. About you. Everything I said was freaking <laughs> brilliant. So that's how I'm feeling about this. That's that's just that's just my side of it. Now, uh Awesome. Great to so talk to you again. Running. Happy New Year, you know. Uh, we're both starting our, 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 our new our new things here, so uh, we're, we're, we're transitioning, but it's still the same old great show. We hope you guys do enjoy it. 
Eno, we'll be back next week. By the way, you had your chat up and your best pitch series up, right? Do you have anything else coming out? Is your Rajay Davis thing coming out tomorrow, a.k.a. Friday the 6th? Yes, Rajai Davis. Hot, 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 hot. I Defensive love it. I action. Love it. All right, you know, I'll talk to you next week then. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>